That's beautiful. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. And I'm so grateful that the Lord left the 90 and 9 to come find the lost sheep like you and I. And we know that uh, the Bible says uh, Jesus came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, which was all of us. And I'm thankful that he came and was willing to do that. Well, this time, take your Bible, if you would, if you have one, and turn it to the book of John, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and this is going to be a little piggyback off of last week's uh, message. Uh, if you remember, if you were here last week, we were in John chapter 15, and uh, we read verses 1 through 10. Today, we're only going to read verses 1 through 7. Um, so, uh, once you find that, if you would uh, join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, John chapter 15. And verse number 1, the Word of God says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing." If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Today I want to preach a message entitled, Abide in Prayer. Abide in Prayer. Let's pray together. Lord. We do thank you for uh, the day. Thank you for this great service. And Lord, I thank you for the song that Ms. Dolores just sung. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you were willing to uh, leave your throne to come to this earth to rescue uh, the lost sheep uh, like me. And uh, I thank you that you were willing to do that. God, I, I thank you for the opportunity now to be in your word. And I pray, Lord, you would speak to our hearts today and uh, help us, Lord, to be good hearers. But more than that, help us to be good doers of the word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. And I don't know if anybody has noticed here, but my voice is definitely not as strong as it normally is. So I apologize for that, and I hope that... Um, that's not a major distraction for you, and that you still are able to hear the message. Um, and I may not be as um, intense on it because I gotta save it because <laughs> I want to get through the message. Um, but um, just want to start by saying this: Look, our theme here at Cornerstone Baptist Church for 2023 is abide in Christ. And in order to really be effectively abiding in Christ, we must learn to abide in prayer. To have a good, strong prayer life to where it's not just a asking for um, 
you know, things when you need it, not looking to the Lord as your personal genie, but rather having a close relationship with Him like you would have uh, even more, more close than you would with even a brother. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother, the writer of Hebrews, or writer of Proverbs says. Now, most of us know a lot about prayer. We even talk about prayer. But sadly and unfortunately, many of us don't actually pray. See, the need of every church, including this one, by the way, and every preacher, including this one, and every family is not more seminars on prayer, more books on prayer, better prayer journals, or even promising to pray. See, we need to actually pray. Prayer is how we lay hold on the blessings and the power of God. And like the old Nike slogan, just simply do it. Uh, we don't need to know necessarily more and more about it. I'm not opposed to learning more about it, but we, we need to do it. Throughout the scriptures, God indicates his great desire for us to truly commune with him in prayer, to really abide in prayer. Now, I, I believe that many Christians are good at praying when others are around, right? But most do not have a personal, private time with the Lord, where they are really, genuinely abiding in prayer. Praying for a meal or an offering can almost be effortless, and I'm not opposed to that. I encourage that, and we just prayed for the offering a few minutes ago. But real, personal, private prayer and an abiding relationship can be a little more daunting to have that time in the prayer closet with the Lord. Yet if we intend to truly have an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, we must learn to abide with Him in prayer. We must learn to spend time with Him by praising Him, by pleading with Him, and interceding on behalf of others. Now, today we're going to examine four critical aspects of prayer today. And if I'm being real honest with you, when I first was thinking, okay, I'm going to preach on prayer, and boy, this is going to be real helpful for our church family. That's really what I thought. Then as I got to preparing this, I was like, I don't really know if the church family needs this. Eric, you're the one that needs this. The Lord really began to pinpoint that in my heart, in my life, as I was working on this. And he's like, forget about the church family. You need to work on this. And I got to tell you, there's been some convicting moments as I prepared this message. And so really, I'm not going to be preaching this message to you as much as I am to be preaching it to me. And you get to just listen. You're like, wait a minute, you're not preaching this to me? I'm going home. <laughs> no, you get to stay. I would encourage you to stay and listen and apply this, because I think it does apply to everybody here. But really, the Lord was speaking to my heart big time as I was preparing this message. So this was extremely convicting to me as I was working on this. Well, let's go ahead and get into this message today on abiding with prayer. Let's look at four critical aspects of prayer. First of all, let's notice the priority of prayer in this passage here. Um, here the encouragement that uh, Jesus here gives to his disciples is to abide in me and I in you. And we learned a little bit about that last week and but, but part of that, in verse number 7, is our prayer life. He says, If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. You shall ask what you will. This is prayer. 
And then if you drop down to verse number 16, we see prayer mentioned again. At the end of the verse, I'll read the whole verse. It says, Ye have not chosen me, I have chosen you. Ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And here's the prayer part, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So prayer is emphasized in this passage. Um, as Jesus teaches his disciples to abide in him. You really cannot, in other words, you can't abide in him unless you're abiding in prayer, is what he's saying. And prayer is absolutely and critically necessary for us to really abide in him. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is simply us talking to God. And our Savior here is instructing us regarding our relationship with him. And by the way, it's a relationship. When we, we say, you know, what religion are you? I, I almost want to say none. <laughs> because I have a relationship with Christ. It's not this religious dogma that I have to obey in order to have a relationship with Him. He's already done everything necessary for me to have a relationship with Him. So, <clears throat> and, rela and religion, by the way, <clears throat> is most of the time in the Scriptures painted in a negative light. Um, so religion, we're not talking about religion, we're talking about relationship with God. Now, <clears throat> how often should we pray? How, it, what kind of priority should it be in our life to where we're praying? How often should we pray? Well, before I answer that question, let me explain it this way. And I, and I alluded to this a little bit last Sunday. But <clears throat> take, for instance, my relationship between Julie and I. Now, suppose if suppose for a moment the only time I ever talk to her is when I need something. You know, I'm like, <clears throat> oh, hi, Julie. So, um, I need you to do laundry. By the way, I need you to do laundry. <laughs> Maybe you could put that on your to-do list. No, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> Julie, I'm hungry. When are you going to make me dinner? Can you do that right now? Julie, when, I need you to go to the grocery store and buy some apple juice and applesauce and some waffles. I did ask her to do that this week because that's what I like to consume when I'm not feeling great. Julie, I need you to go pay the bills. Julie, I, can you please do this for me? If, if that's the extent of our relationship, do you really think that that's a great, good strong marriage and imagine also that there are days that go by without any communication and then and then out of the blue it's like hey i need you to do laundry do you really think our relationship is super sweet in that home do you really think we're really like enjoying being married and she's enjoying being married to me I, I don't think so. She's shaking her head. No, <laughs> that would not work out good. Obviously, there needs to be a, a more than that. It needs to be more than me just asking her to do things. Right? Because it's a relationship. And, and yet, here it is. <clears throat> if we're to be honest about our prayer life, for many of us, that's how our prayer life is with God, though. Little to no sweetness. Why? Because we only come to Him when there's a need. And, and, and while He does want us to be there for us in those times, there's, there's much more to prayer than just asking. And, and yes, here he's, a, he's saying, you shall ask in verse 7. 
verse 16. He says, whatsoever ye shall ask. So there is asking, yes, but it's more than that. It's an abiding relationship with him. You remember the model prayer? Remember when Jesus told us, after this manner, pray this way? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then here's the asking, give us this day our daily bread. See, prayer is more than just asking for things. It's communicating your love for him and your adoration for him. It's acknowledging his place in your life as your father. It's recognizing his holiness, hallowed be thy name. And it's also, before you start requesting things for yourself, give us this day our daily bread, you're saying, hey, I want your will to be done. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So it's a relationship. That's what prayer is. How is your relationship with him? Prayer was a priority for the Apostle Paul. He said that he prayed night and day exceedingly for the Thessalonians. And throughout the New Testament, we as believers are called to make prayer a real priority in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says, pray without, what's the next word? Anybody know? Ceasing. Most of us wish that was our memory verse for the month because it's three words. It's a little easier. Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that, you know, we can't do anything else because we got to spend time in prayer? I can't, I can't go to work tomorrow. I need to pray. I can't go to school tomorrow. I got to pray. Well, most of us aren't going to do either because it's a holiday. Uh, but you get the idea. Like, oh, I can't go to, I can't do all the things I need to do because I need to pray, I, you know, pray without ceasing. That's not what it means. It needs to be, means to be in a never stop praying uh, for the request that you're asking for. Never stop, never give up on prayer. Always be in a spirit of prayer where you can come before the Lord at any time, anywhere, for any reason. And you're in a, in a place where you can do that in your heart. And just kind of like me and my wife, like we'll, we'll text each other through the day, right? And uh, we'll, we'll call each other through the day. Even though I'm at work and, and she's at home and, and we'll, we'll still communicate throughout the day. That's, that's what we're talking about here is having this continual conversation with the Lord and communication with Him. When asked how much time he spent in prayer, George Mueller's reply was this. He says, hours every day. But he said, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk and when I lie down. And when I arise, and the answers are always coming. We need to be in a constant spirit of prayer. And as we go through the, our lives and our just every day, that we're just going to the Lord on different needs, big needs, little needs, and everything in between. It should be a priority in our lives. Romans 12, 12. Paul says this to the church at Rome. He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Colossians 4 and verse 2, he says to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Luke 18, 1 says, Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. It ought to be a priority in our lives. A.M. Bounds in one of my favorite quotes um, on prayer said this, what the church needs today 
is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint, anoint plans, but men, men of prayer. May God help our church to be filled with men of prayer and, and women of prayer who uh, really do make this a priority in their lives. God's not going to continue blessing our church if we just focus on having more programs and, and, and get more things and a new building. And look, those things are great and wonderful, but, but this is what we need. We need to make prayer a priority because Jesus put priority on it when he told us about abiding in him. We need to make it a priority in our lives. And we see the priority of it in this passage. He highlighted it twice, and once in verse 7, and once in verse 16. That doesn't count all the other times Jesus taught his disciples to pray and all of that. But in this passage, we learn the priority of prayer. But secondly, let's notice the promise of prayer. As we look here, there's some tremendous promises regarding prayer. Why do we pray? Yes, to have a relationship with the Lord. That's the most important part of it. But then secondly, it's to um, allow the Lord to bless and to work through us. And, and he has told us, hey, you shall ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. And look, God has the ability to answer our prayer. What's mind-boggling to me is, okay, well, let me just say this. Sometimes my wife starts talking to me, and I'm not, you know, all there, okay? That probably I'm the only husband in the room that that's the case, right? Probably not. She starts telling you about something, and you're like, you're listening, and then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, she becomes Charlie Brown's teacher. Mom, 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 mom. That's not what I view her as, but that's what ends up happening, okay? I've got to be very careful here. She's in the room. But here, here what's, what's mind-boggling is that God is able to focus his undivided attention on me every time I come to him. But not only me. But if you pray at the very exact same time I do, guess what? He is able to give you his undivided attention as well. And with the millions of people that perhaps could be praying at the same moment, he is God and he is able to hear and then have the wisdom to, the, or I'm sorry, the power to be able to answer those prayers and the wisdom to know how to answer those prayers. And that's, that's how big our God is. So these are pretty powerful promises here. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse 16, here's another. The promise is rephrased this way. Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These are powerful promises to be sure. But I do need to point out for a moment that these are conditional promises. All right, verse 7, what's the conditional promise here? 
Notice here, it starts, verse 7 does, with the word if. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So in the words, um, you must first be attached to him. You must have an abiding relationship with him. His word must be abiding in you. And then, now you can claim that promise that you ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Albert Barnes, in his commentary on this verse, says, Only when we live by faith in him, and his words are suffered to control our conduct and affections, then then will our prayers be heard. And you compare verse number 7 with Psalm 66, verse 18, where the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, we need to have an abiding relationship with Him. We need to allow His words to abide in us, to have a governing effect in our lives. Then we can claim the promise of verse number 7. So yes, there are tremendous and powerful promises in the Scriptures concerning prayer, but there are some conditions. Another conditional promise is found in verse number 16. It says that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. you. See, you must ask the Father in the name of Jesus. By the way, it's interesting if you just take those words for a minute. You ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We do not pray in the name of the Virgin Mary. Nor are we instructed to pray to her. Right here it says in verse 16, you shall ask of the Father in my name, not you shall ask of the Virgin Mary in my name. So Jesus is instructing us who to pray to and by what power to pray to him. We pray not to Mary, we, we pray to the Father. And, and technically, and I've said this a, a few times, especially on Wednesday nights as we've gone through doctrine, Technically, we are to pray to God the Father through the, name of the, through the name of the Son, in Jesus' name. So, it's technically more correct to address God the Father when you're praying, rather than Jesus. You're, you're really praying to God the Father. Now, is it wrong to pray to Jesus? No, I don't think it's wrong to. But technically, um, we're instructed to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. All right. Now, okay, so we do that. And many people think that if you just simply tack on in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer, that God is now obligated to answer your prayer. Now, nothing wrong with saying in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer. I do it quite often. It's a good habit to have, but it means more than just adding that at the end of your prayer, okay? Praying in the name of Jesus means a couple things. First, it means that while we have no ability to come to God in our own merit, and our own strength, it's only through the Lord Jesus and His shed blood that we can come. And because He is our great high priest, we are invited to come boldly to the very throne room of God. It's not in our own strength. We can't get there on our own. But because of Christ and what He did for us, He now gives us the ability to have access to the throne room of God. Now, <clears throat> a couple months ago, my, my dad came to visit us <clears throat> here in Oklahoma again. And this is the second visit he's had. 
And we had a good time. Many of you got to meet him. Um, and he's a, he's, a, he's a good man with the exception of one thing. He likes the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you to join with me in praying for him and some others in our church. There's some in our church who do too. And we need to really see revival come through. <laughs> At least they're still in the playoffs. I know, I know, I know. I know what everybody's going to say. Um, Anyway, well, for it's my dad's 70th birthday uh, when it was like around his birthday when he came, and we wanted to do something special. So we were going to take him to a Dallas Stars game when they played the Los Angeles Kings. He's a big Kings fan. But one thing I didn't tell him we were going to do until, until he got here, and then he, he found out. We wanted to surprise him, but we took him to AT&T Stadium, and uh, we wanted to do a tour of AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play football. And so we did. We went there. And as part of we, I went on, I got the VIP tour. And uh, it was great. Me, Luke, and I keep wanting to say Seth. Uh, Luke and Mark and my dad all went on this VIP tour of AT&T Stadium. And it was so cool to be able to walk through that. And, and if you get an opportunity to do it, I would, I would encourage it. It's, it's neat. Even if you're not a Cowboys fan or even a football fan, there's just a lot of cool things to see in the stadium. But one of the coolest parts about it was they took us to the locker room of the Dallas Cowboys. And I think we have a picture. Do we not? There we go. So that's the entrance of the Dallas Cowboys locker room. And there's the big star. Um, that's kind of, they're, they're just known for that star. And um, we had a, I took a picture. My, my dad wanted a picture in front of the star, you know, because uh, he's a big Cowboys fan. But then not only did we get to go right up to it, but they actually took us into the locker room. And here's a couple pictures. There's my dad standing in front of uh, Dak and Cooper's locker. And I'm standing right in front of Zeke's um, locker. And I'm wearing a Dallas Stars jersey, so just to make sure you understand what's going on there. So, uh, sorry for the awkward selfie there, but I just thought it was cool to be in front of Ezekiel Elliott's um, locker. And there, I, there we were. I mean, that's kind of kind of cool. If you if you're a football fan, I mean, to be in right where these guys get ready and uh, all that, and probably don't smell all that great. Um, it just is kind of neat, you know, to, to be in that in that room. You know, this is a special room, and and this is they. They spent some serious money on the wood that they used to build these um, lockers, and, and they told us you're not allowed to sit down on these lockers. Uh, you, can, you can stand, you can take pictures, but do not sit on these because the, the wood is really expensive and we, we want to keep it nice. And so anyway, it was just, it's a special room to be in. Okay, well, <clears throat> now that was, that was pretty cool, and then we got to go onto the field and and we got to you know run on the field and and it, it was neat to have access to that big of a um you know that that special of a of, of a place for football fans okay um now you don't like football you'll be like yeah this is so boring when is this over <laughs> i could care less well here's the deal okay friend you and i as believers have access to somewhere infinitely greater than any place on this earth. We have access to the very throne room 
of the Creator God. To the throne room of Almighty, the Almighty One. And, by the way, we can come into His presence at any time. He doesn't have limited hours. His throne room is open after hours, during the weekends, and even during the holidays. He's always available. He never closes down. There's no, like, we're closed for COVID. There's a shortage of staff here. No, he's always available for us. Aren't you thankful for that? Okay, we have that access, but the question is, are we utilizing that access? Are we actually using it? We have it, but are we using it? By the way, praying in the name of Jesus means not only are we coming to God, not in our own merit, but in Christ's merit, but we're, it also means that our prayers should be becoming of His holy name, that it is according to His will. In other words, 1 John 5 and verse 14, John says this, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. So, well, hey, it says here in verse 7, you know, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And I will that I have a Lamborghini. So, Lord, you said I can have a Lamborghini, because it's what I will. No, we're to pray according to the name of Christ. We're, we're to make sure that we're having the Word of God in us, and we're letting the Word of God control us. And we have an abiding relationship with Him, and then we can, we're not going to be asking for greedy things that are outside of His will when that's happening. See, and we're to be praying in the name of, in the, name of the Son, Jesus Christ. So, there is tremendous promises of prayer, but they are conditional prayers. Thirdly, I want us to see here the pattern of prayer. Over and over again, during His earthly ministry, we see the Lord Jesus Christ spending time in prayer. See, Jesus is placing a priority here on prayer, but he's not telling us to do something he wasn't first willing to do himself and to lead the way as the perfect example. And Jesus was the ultimate pattern of prayer in, in our lives. And I don't have time to go through all these references. I wish I did because I'd like you to see some of them. But let's, let's, let's take a, a minute to cover a couple of them here. Turn to Mark chapter 1. I'm going to ask you in the next couple points here to look, look at some passages here in the Scriptures. Mark chapter 1, verse 32. Just to, just to kind of go to show you the Lord Jesus and the priority He placed on prayer. He, he is our perfect example. He is our pattern of prayer. Mark 1, 32. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto Him all that were diseased and all them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. So, in other words, it was a very busy ministry day. No doubt he was exhausted. Well, look what happens in verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. So Jesus made it a priority in his life, even, even though there was busyness, even though he was exhausted, he still made it a priority in his life. All right, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. I'm just going to, I'll give you the reference, and I, as soon as I get there, I'm going to start reading it. 
for sake of time, okay? Verse 12 says this, came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And then verse 13 says, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. So right before Jesus made a very big decision about who he was going to call to be his disciples, he spent all night in prayer. So can I encourage you, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, before you make a major decision in this life, you better make sure you're spending a good season of, in, in prayer with God, just like Jesus did. Hey, if Jesus thought it was important for him to spend time, that much time in prayer before he made a big decision like who he was going to choose to be his disciples, don't you think it'd be important for you to spend some time before you decide about uh, what job to get, moving, and all these things? Yes. Well, we better make sure we're spending time in, with the Lord. All right, John 11. Let's go back to John 11. And boy, I wish I had time to go through all these because it's, it's neat to see the example of Jesus throughout his whole earthly ministry. He just focused on prayer, spent time communing with his Father. And look, if, it, if he thought it was that important to him, how much more should we know that it should be important to us? John 11, verse 41, this is after Lazarus died. Now, most of us know what's going to happen here, but I want you to see the progression. Verse 41, they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. This is Lazarus. Jesus lifted up his eyes, said, Father, I, and, and he lifted up his eyes, and he could have simply gone right into Lazarus, come forth. But first he took time to pray. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with great clothes. And his face was bound with a bat with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, let him go. So before Jesus performs this miracle, he takes time to go to the Lord in prayer first. Just amazing. Uh, let's, let's flip back to John 15. I'm not going to have time to go through the rest of the references here, but just know that he spends a lot of time. And we, we know later on, okay, he's in the upper room here in John chapter 15. He had just washed the disciples' feet. They had just had the Last Supper together. And now he's instructing them about what to do for the future and to abide in him, to focus on prayer. Well, after he's done with the upper room, where does he go? He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he do there in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prays and encourages his disciples to do the same. In John chapter 17 is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And uh, for 26 verses, he goes on in the longest recorded prayer in uh, the life of Christ. It's beautiful. It's a prayer... Um, it's a prayer that God would get glory for all that goes on, and, and, and on it goes. And we don't have time to go into all that today. But just know that Jesus prayed. He, was, he recognized the importance of it. He made it a priority in his life. And if he did, how much more should we? So we see the pattern of prayer. But then fourthly, let's look at the practice of prayer. So the disciples in that upper room... John chapter 15, they were hearing Jesus uh, give this instruction and mention the importance of prayer. But would they take to heart the instruction here to abide in prayer? 
what would they do? Would they practice prayer? Well, the short answer is yes and no. Let's fast forward a bit to see what ended up happening. So again, Jesus is here uh, in John chapter 15 is in the upper room. And right after that, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And let's turn back to Matthew chapter number 26 to find out what happens there with these disciples. Would they, would they immediately start abiding in prayer? Because they heard it here in John 15 in the upper room. Now they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Will they practice prayer? Well, Matthew 26, verse 31. 2631. We're going we're gonna to look at a few more passages, so keep your, um, keep your Bible ready to turn, okay? John, uh, Matthew 26, 30, um, 31. All ye shall be offended, Jesus said, because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd. Sheep of the flock shall be scattered. And after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Well, Peter answered and said, Though everybody shall be offended, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, that this night thou shalt, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will not I deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Well, then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which are James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed. And, uh, and then verse 40, he says, uh, He comes to his disciples, finds them asleep, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? And then verse 41, he says, Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my Father. And he, and he had this prayer, verse 43, came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. He left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. So over and over again, he comes back and finds these guys napping when they should have been praying, when they should have been abiding in prayer. And so they dropped the ball on that one. They got a big, fat, red F on their uh, test, their first test. He had just instructed them in John 15 to abide in prayer. In their first test, they took a nap. Now, that's something I would do. Um, I hope I wouldn't do that continually. And, um, but the good, the good part is, praise the Lord, that's not the end of the story. Okay, now quickly, uh, we're about done here, but Acts chapter number 1. I want to show you when it, when it ends up happening. Let's see a little bit of a turnaround, okay? Let's see these disciples kind of get, get it, get the lesson that they were taught there in John 15. Acts 1 and verse number 14. We're going to look at a, just a few of these passages here in the book of Acts. I have several references. We don't have time to run them all. But Acts chapter number 1, verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brethren. So, in verse 13 tells us who they were, James, Peter, James, and John. They, they kind of went, hey, we need, to, we need to pray. He told us to abide in prayer. Let's, let's start praying. Uh, let's go to verse 24. 
of Acts chapter 1, Acts 1, 24. So they needed to appoint a new apostle because Judas had uh, committed suicide. And then verse 24, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen. So it seems as though they're kind of starting to get this idea that we need to abide in prayer. They're starting to practice it. Go to chapter 2 and verse 42. After all these, uh, on the day of Pentecost, then 3,000 people were saved and baptized and added to the church. Verse 42, what did they focus on? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. So there was an emphasis in the early church on praying together. Okay, look at verse number 3. Now Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. So they were going up to pray. I mean, this is what they did. Yeah, it may have been a little bit ritualistic or whatever, but hey, they still made it a priority to pray. I go to uh, chapter 4, verse 24, and uh, we'll probably end with this chapter here. But look at verse 24. <coughs> if you were here on Wednesday night, you heard a little bit more about this, uh, what to do when you're uh, dealing with persecution. But verse 24, uh, when they heard that, when the church family heard about the threatenings that were going on, in verse 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. So there was this practicing of prayer. And then later in chapter uh, 4, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all spake the word of God with boldness. And literally, I could keep going for probably 15, 20 minutes on references in the book of Acts where we see these disciples who were asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane had learned how to practice prayer in their life. Okay, so... The disciples heard the instruction regarding the priority of prayer. They heard the promises regarding prayer. They saw the pattern of prayer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they learned to actually practice prayer in their own individual lives. The question is, what about us? Here's the real sermon for us today. Will you practice prayer? By the way, prayer does take practice, and you must actually do it. I said at the beginning, we don't need more books about it. We don't need more sermons about it, although this is one. We just need to simply do it. We need to actually practice it. So, are you? I think this is something all of us could stand to improve upon this year, couldn't we? We need to make it a priority in our life because it's a priority in abiding in Christ, and that's the whole theme for us this year, is that we would all individually abide in the Lord. Someone said this, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, well, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. 
God gently and lovely chided me, Child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He answered, Well, you didn't seek. So I woke up this morning and paused before entering the day because I really had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. May the Lord help us to remember that prayerlessness is a form of pride. We think we don't need to pray. We got this. I've done this before. I don't need him. I don't need to take that time. That's a form of self-reliance. And I want to encourage all of us to make prayer a real priority in our life. Um, I was reminded of the early apostles. One more reference. If your Bible is open to the book of Acts, go to Acts chapter 6. This is a very convicting verse for me. I don't know if it'll be convicting to anybody else in here, but certainly to me, because I am one that is... Um, supposed to be taking oversight of this assembly. In Acts chapter 6, in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice here verse 4, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Ouch. These disciples said, we don't have time to do a lot of the... We, we want to make sure that the priority in our ministry is prayer and the Word, a good balance of both. And I want to make sure that I do that. And I know that there's areas... I, there, there's room for improvement, to be sure, in my life in that regard. But certainly, as a, just as a Christian, I think all of us could stand to make prayer a little better priority in our lives to have an abiding relationship with Him where it's not just coming to Him when we have just this need. Oh, Lord, I'm sick. Please heal me. Although, <laughs> I think that's kind of obvious in my life now. That's what I need. But having this communication where you're just sharing your heart, you're talking to the Lord, you have a relationship with Him where He really is your best friend. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother where you go to Him for anything and everything. That's what He desires to be in your life. He died on the cross to make that possible. So, will you take advantage of that? Will you practice prayer? Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank You for this access You've given to us to the very throne room of God. Lord, what a wonderful opportunity You've given to us to spend time communing with the Creator, with the One who loves us, who sent His Son to die for us, who wants to have a relationship with us. Oh God, I pray You'd help us to not just know about that access, but to utilize it. God, please help us to do that. Help us to make it a priority in our lives. Help us to remember the promises that they are 
conditional. Help us to meet those conditions so that we can see you answer those prayers. God, I pray also that you would help us to remember that you're not asking us to do something that Jesus wasn't willing to do himself. And that he did that. And the disciples, they practiced it. Help us now to do what we can to practice it in our own lives.